Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. This is a podcast about the strange and unusual, the secret and conspiracies, the fringe and the supernatural. This is a show where we do little to no research on our topics. We are not professionals in any field except speculation. This is the Secret Transmission Podcast, and today we're going to be interviewing Keith Linder about the Washington State Poltergeist. Hello, I'm your host, Toby, and alongside me are some of my co-hosts. Please introduce yourself. My name's Kristen. I'm Rudy. And today we are going to be talking to Keith Linder. He is the, uh, he's got a YouTube channel with a bunch of uh, paranormal type of videos. Um, Keith, are you there? Yeah, right here. Here I am. So... uh, most people call it the demon in Seattle. Is that is that right? Uh, it's known by two names. The demon in Seattle is the uh, name or episode that was given to it by uh, Ghost Adventures Travel Channel. Right. So we always use the demons in Seattle when referencing um, the house and activity, um, but it's also referred to as the Washington State. Uh, Portuguese case because outside of the demons in Seattle, I guess, quote-unquote investigation, um, a lot more has transpired uh, since that uh, airing of the show. So it's, it's been mostly referred to, it's about 50-50. Right. Uh, the paranormal community, if I want to draw a reference, because people always say, well, this house looks familiar to me. It looks like I've seen this house before. And then I say, oh, Demons in Seattle. Then they're like, oh, okay, I remember that episode. So so both names, actually. Okay. Uh, which, which one do you prefer better? Uh, I'm kind of tit for tat. So I, I always go by Washington State Poltergeist because um, most of the evidence as of late uh, has happened after that episode um, oh. aired. So uh, I, I'm, I refer to it probably as Washington State Poltergeist case. Well, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, before we get into the Poltergeist part of it? Uh, Yeah, once again, my name is Keith Linder. Obviously, I reside in uh, Washington, uh, the city of Bothell, Washington, and I'm an IT project manager. I've lived in the Seattle Pacific Northwest uh, for 10 years. Uh, Ironically, I am from Texas. I'm from Austin. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and I moved in uh, Washington State. Uh, 2005, and I moved into the house that we're going to be talking about uh, four years ago in 2012 uh, with my girlfriend, Tina, and um, probably on day one, we began to experience um, activity, and we didn't know it was activity at the time, but as it built and built and built, uh, yeah, it became known that uh, we had something uh, malevolent uh, on our hands. So we we watched the uh, the news interview that you did, uh, and and you, if I remember correctly, you said you could hear like children laughing in in the attic or something like that originally. Oh uh, yeah, the day the first day we uh, were at the house when we secured the house, and by secure I mean getting the keys from the uh, the owner. Uh, me and Tina heard a kid cough uh, after he had left. We were in the uh, den area, and the house is completely empty. This is. Not us moving in, it's just us sitting on a floor in the den in a empty house. And we heard a kid cough. It was very distinct. It was very clear. There's no way you could uh, mistake it for anything else because 
we both heard it at the same time, and we looked at each other, and we said, was that a kid call? She asked me, I asked her, uh, but we shrugged it off. We kind of ruled that out, because obviously if it's only me and Tina in the house, there's no kids. Uh, we've never had children in our house. Neither one of us uh, have children living with us at the time. And uh, so we just, you know, carried on and do what most people do is move into a house that they just bought. So, yeah, that's what we did. Um, did So did you have any kind of belief in, in ghosts, demons, poltergeists before this event started happening? Well, I, 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 I was 50-50 in the paranormal, and about 50-50, I mean, I would maybe use it as an entertainment purpose, be it Halloween time, that time of year, where it's time to start scaring people or be scared yourself. Uh, but I always had it in the back of my mind of what a ghost was. Obviously, growing up in the church and being a spiritual, religious person, I sort of knew what a demon was. But uh, the term Portuguese was a little bit foreign to me. I've heard of it. I've seen the movie ages ago, but it was just lumped in that, you know, ghost category. Um, so I was somewhat familiar, but uh, not a, I guess, a diehard, you know, go, go look at it or research it for myself. I like a good scary story like anybody else, but that's pretty much as far as I go. Right. Is, was this your first experience with any, I mean... Did you have anything else happen before this? Uh, no, this is both me and Tina's first experience in the uh, the paranormal. This was a uh, abrupt welcoming, if you will, uh, into the world of the paranormal. There's never been a previous or even close to uh, anything related uh, in my other homes that I've lived in, either in Texas or Washington. So, no, this is Brandon. I have a question for you. So... Um, bef- like after this happened and after you started having more like uh, the paranormal stuff happen to you, did you like investigate or did anybody come forth and say, oh yeah, such and such happened in your home and uh, this is why this may be happening? Like, was there anything that could have happened in the home that made it to where it could be like uh, haunted or have the paranormal attached to it? Yeah, the first summer of 2012, that's a good question, because the first summer of 2012, uh, probably about six to maybe two months of living under the house, um, we started having activity, and by activity I mean um, a plant was moving, a plant got thrown uh, while, me and TV, while me and Tina were watching TV. Uh, the loud banging started probably late July, August. Objects were coming up missing, keys and things of that nature, and items that neither one of us owned were coming up or or reappearing in the house that neither one of us owned. So, yeah, we started to, um, I mean, once it became official, meaning that we finally acknowledged that this house may be haunted, yeah, I took the Google, Tina took the Google, and I started researching the symptoms that we were having, seeing what Google would tell me, and naturally it started saying, you know, you have a checklist of things you want to look for in the haunted house. You don't want to leap to conclusions. You want to get history on the land, the history on the occupants. Uh, to our knowledge, we could not find any death in the home. Uh, nothing um, abnormal could we find that happened in the home. The house is only 10 years old, so it has a, a little bit of newness still uh, around it. The neighborhood is only 10 years old. 
Um, so information was relatively uh, null and void in regards to anything indicating why we were experiencing what we were experiencing. And I did reach out to the previous uh, owner, being the landlord, asking, uh, hey, did any of the other tenants have any similar activity? And um, I couldn't find those tenants to get the information. It took me a year and a half before I finally was able to find one tenant who did admit to strange activity in the house as well. Weird. So did... um... It seemed like a lot of your videos, you had the most activity in in the hallway. Yes, the hallway is the uh, most active area in the home. I think the, the scariest video you had was that candle that gets chunked down the hallway and it hits the wall and then it leaves a hole. Was that was that a normal like occurrence where stuff was getting chunked around? That was a normal occurrence from summer of 2014 to about February of 2015. Uh, that video where you see the candle, yeah, three candles go um, projectile, if you will, and smash into that wall. And um, my cell phone at the time ca- caught half of that. And I guess that was a uh, very controversial uh, we could debunk this on the episode of Ghost Adventures or the Dave Schrader show in that people always ask me, why does he see so calm? Why does the camera tilt this way, tilt that way? How that whole scene came about, and this is how we and other investigators point to Poltergeist is, um, obviously when activity happens, you don't know when it happens. Um, previously, anytime something major would happen, like a candle being thrown, uh, things in the house would change, the environment would change, the energy would change. So prior to those candles being thrown, the lights in my hallway and in my office were going off and on. So when I started having light issues, that's when I grabbed my cell phone, and that's when I start pointing it at the light. I'm actually pointing the cell phone at my light and not the hallway. It's only until I hear those candles being thrown hitting the bookshelf and hitting the wall is when I aim it towards the hallway. And you see me get up from my chair, and I wait until after, because I don't know if there's more candles to be thrown. And right. You can tell by the video, that's glass, and I don't want to be hit. I don't want to walk in. But I wait, I pause, and then I walk once I believe uh, the candle event is over. Uh, there's a part two and a part three to that same video where I walk into my bedroom and I say, that the candles are missing. So the candles that were thrown were sitting on both my girlfriend and my side of the nightstand near our beds. And those were the candles used that were thrown. And while I'm saying that on the video, uh, the light goes off and on in the bedroom. So what's made y'all to where y'all stayed in this home? Because... I mean, I mean, you are calm about it, but anybody else that had already been out the door, yeah. bags packed, running. I, th- I think if it was us, we'd probably have uh, moved out and moved out of town and moved out of the state. <laughs> well, no, we probably would. We probably would uh, investigate it and then leave. <laughs> nope, nope, not me. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and and the reason why uh, I get I get asked that question a lot is, you know, why stay there? Why stay there? And keep in mind, um, the activity that we had in 2012. Um, was far, I guess, if I had to put it on a scale of one to five, the activity in 2012 was a one. 
uh, the activity in 2013, because the activity did subside, was a zero. And when the activity came back in 2014, it came back abruptly. That was a four or a five. Uh, but for me, I was looking for, like yourselves, investigators, clergy, researchers, because it just didn't seem right to just up and leave and let who else come in here none the wiser about the level of activity. Number one, who's going to believe you, uh, you know, or suspect that you're doing the damage to your home yourself. But this was my first home. Uh, my girlfriend moved in with me, and we didn't have any kids. We didn't have any pets. And I told her that um, a team needs to come in here and verify these claims because I would think these events, and they are real, there's no way to get around these events are real, that they do need to be investigated and documented by a paranormal research team. It's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. Versus upping, leaving, and nothing gets told about, talked about, uh, analyzed, and discussed. So um, when the activity started taking off and getting candles thrown and objects thrown, by far, it wasn't easy to live there. I mean, sometimes you wake up and these things are thrown above your heads at night while you're sleeping or getting ready for work or worse. Uh, so it's not easy, but at that time I had uh, a priest, I've had a clergy, I've had paranormal teams, local and abroad, being um, in the know, if you will, because we're trying to attack this from a way of, hey, number one, can we lessen the activity? Can we make this house livable? Uh, because it's a young house. I mean, this house is not going anywhere anytime soon, being that it's only 10 years old in a suburb right. of Seattle. And when I talked to the previous tenants uh, who moved into the house and left the house four years before I even got there, um, they had children, and uh, one of her child became very ill. He de developed meningitis in the home. Uh, she had her own issues in regards to the paranormal in the home. So my biggest fear was another family is going to come in after us. It's a five-bedroom home. They're going to have kids. They're going to have infants. And these things occupy the hallway. They occupy the bedrooms. And um, they're not friendly. But they're very, very, very patient. And they will manipulate uh, children and pets because we've had that, or ha I've had that told to me by the previous tenant. How how many um, uh, paranormal groups and, and stuff have you had come in through the house? Uh, I've had about four locally in the state of Washington. Um, two teams came from the uh, East Coast. Uh, Carissa Fleck and Nikki Unparanormal uh, were here back in January. Uh, Carissa lived in a home for three weeks, Nikki for one week. Uh, the individual, Steve Mara, uh, he's a parapsychologist, world-renowned parapsychologist out of the UK. Uh, he has a very strong background in poltergeist-related activity. Uh, Don Phillips is a chief researcher. Uh, they came at the uh, end of or middle of January and stayed one week, and then returned again uh, when the activity seemed to want to spike in April and stayed another week. So over in all, about seven teams, uh, two being parapsychologists from the UK, and then the four or five locally, and the Nikki and uh, Carissa from the East Coast. Wow. 
so you, I mean, a, a lot of people have gone through there. So, I mean, do they all, has anyone tried to, out of those teams, say, nope, nothing's here, you're you're crazy? Or have they all just... No, and that's what's funny is because if you take the teams in Washington and the teams at East Coast and Steve and Don in the U.K., and you know, for, for lack of debating whether Ghost Adventure is a team or not, uh, Ghost Adventure is the only team that's been to the house that got zero evidence. Weird. And the, and the only thing I can, tr- can attribute that to is, number one, the short amount of time that they were in the house um, was maybe 10 hours at the most. Um, and primarily, they had us leave when they did their investigation, which um, no other team, the other team that came to the house were there for several days. Um, and then we were, you know, in the invest, in the investigation with them. Uh, Nikki stayed a week, Carissa stayed for three weeks, Stephen Dawn two weeks total. So, um, yeah, it's kind of weird in the sense that um, they're the only team that left without um, any evidence, but they did have activity, but they did not call attention to it or let their audience be educated as to what was happening because there was activity when Ghost Adventures was here, but they was not acknowledging it. Whereas other episodes, they would acknowledge this might be paranormal related because if you know, and you guys know this better than me, um, entities love to drain energy from your electronic equipment. Yep. And Ghost Adventures were having a lot of equipment malfunctions uh, during their investigation. Uh, they alluded to that fact on the episode where two cameras just abruptly died, one in the kitchen and one in the office. But they never caused that or never voiced that during the episode to say, oh, that's kind of weird. We put a brand new battery in and now it's dead. But if you watch previous other episodes, they say that. So it was kind of weird that they let that go. But no, other teams have come in there and left with a truckload of evidence. Nobody's come in and thought that we were crazy because, and I don't mean evidence of they've gotten an abnormality EMF reading or something on the flare or something on the voice recorder. A lot of my, the teams that have come in here have seen objects move themselves. This mm. is not uh, right. They've seen objects slide across the floor. They've seen objects teleport. Uh, one team saw a ladder just appear out of nowhere. Uh, Stephen Dawn saw a ball go through a table. Uh, Stephen Dawn also witnessed the loud banging, uh, doors opening by themselves. So these are things that they've actually seen with their naked eyes, these teams that have been in the house. You, you said sliding. One of my favorite videos, is, which is the creepiest, one of the other creepiest, is the chairs your dining room chairs? How I, I guess you had a motion camera and it was it was t- it was starting to record every time it, it noticed motion and you would see the the full set uh, and then all of a sudden you'd see one of the chairs pulled out. You you never saw it slide, but it, because it seemed like it, the motion camera was a little too slow to catch the motion. Yeah, what had happened was that was the uh, the Foss cam that was uh, doing motion detect. And it would send me snapshots via email. So it would do a, um, I guess a compression, if you will, of all that activity. And then it would send snapshots. So yeah, you see the the chairs, like chairs supposed to be pulled up to the table. And then I think in that video, you see them rearranged uh, through through a matter of seconds or minutes. 
and then you start seeing other things in the living room uh, rearranged, and it's just left there. Yeah, that happened a lot uh, in the summer of 2014, because what made me put cameras up in the home was me and my girlfriend would come home from a day's, day of work, and you would find your cabinet doors all open. Uh, you would find your office or your bedroom trashed. And, you know, in 2012, we didn't leap to paranormal. We didn't say ghosts right away. First thing I had to do was, number one, rule out the obvious, which was, is it a prank? Is it somebody in my neighborhood? Is it a previous tenant? So I had the home security system updated and upgraded. And then when the activity was still happening, but no alarms were being tripped by my ADT security, I did what most people would do is put cameras in the home. Um, they started manipulating with the cameras, turning them off, turning them upside down, uh, unplugging them. Uh, so I bought more cameras. Uh, then they started taking the cameras, so I bought more cameras. Jeez. And as I'm buying more cameras, they're taking them or breaking them. Uh, I later learned that that in itself is what a poltergeist wants you to do. It wants to elevate the level of activity by making you a willing or unwilling participant because the more cameras I bought, uh, the, the more the activity increased to where it was now strong enough to lift and throw the heavy objects and move things at will, you know, whether we're there or not. It, in that uh, particular video that I was talking about with the chairs, uh, at the very end of it, it, I think you had something that said that you ended up finding one of the chairs in your office on on the desk or something. I can't remember. Uh, so you would find like, and your I'm assuming your office was upstairs. Yeah, and that video and other videos like it because that happened more than once. Um, I think I said at the very beginning of the video. Count the number of chairs. Yeah, you did. Because that, that number is going to change, and you're right. When you see the last video or the last frame, you see a chair kind of in black and white facing the camera very up close. Uh, it's because it's now nightfall. I have a infrared motion detect camera in my office. So when that chair, just think about the science of it. When that chair teleported into the office, it triggered the motion detect to take a snapshot. And that's what you see is the chair no longer downstairs and less a blink of an eye. And now that chair is facing the uh, camera uh, upstairs. I want you to imagine you're, because I think that day I was uh, having uh, drinks with coworkers. I was just getting off work. And uh, to wait out traffic, I was at a uh, bar restaurant with friends. And I have the app on my phone to where if these things started happening, I get emails right away. So imagine you're sitting at a table and you get an email and you open up the email and there you see a chair that's supposed to be in the kitchen now in your office. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone home. Only... You're, you're a much braver man than me. I would have been like, guys, let's just keep drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I have to tell, and I have to, and when I get these emails, because Tina doesn't want to see them, I just t let her know. You know, I had to call her. We had a system to where if there was anything detected, let her know because sometimes she would beat me home, sometimes I'd beat her home. I would say, don't go to the house until I let me get there first. Um, but yeah, the chair moving. Um, there's a few other chairs where they're sitting on the counter. Um, but the chair moving into the office has happened about three or four times. So... 
I need to ask about the the card with the black. First off, let me ask about the 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 black material that's written on the walls. Real big six six six. Did you ever find out what that substance was? Uh, Steve and Don, when they came back in April, we were able to. Uh, <clears throat> they took an analysis or some of it back. Uh, they took a uh, piece off the door back to the UK. Uh, I talked to them pretty regularly. Uh, as of now, what they were able to determine is that substance, uh, there's a high concentrated uh, level of calcium. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, they don't know what that means. It's just interesting. Um, so they're going to have it deeper analyzed. Um, but yeah, the 666 and the what you saw was the upside down man, if you will, on the wall. Um, there's three different types of patterns, uh, or I guess for lack of a better word, substance used when those happen because I've had to paint the office three to four times and every time I've painted the office keep in mind this is the home that I'm renting and I'm keeping the landlord up to speed but every time I paint that wall um, the entities there watching you are watching me paint that wall and maybe a week or so would transpire and the 666 and the upside down man get painted again well probably about the third time I started painting that wall. Whatever was written started bleeding through whatever I paint. So I had to go buy primer to maybe put deeper coats on there. It would bleed uh, through that. Um, I had a paint expert come to the house, and that paint expert told me um, whoever, because they didn't know that they're not they're not privy to the activity in the home. Right. There was like, well, this paint is mixed with gloss. And somebody's putting gloss in your paint, and gloss bleeds through paint, it bleeds through primer. So the entity knows, and it's doing this as a means of, number one, just for lack of a better word, just to be an ass. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's, that's all it wants to do, and it just wants to make you go buy more buckets of paint and not cover up what it, it did. But the card on the um, hallway yes. that you saw over the door, there's, there's, there's an interesting story behind that because you can't really say what's you can't really tell from your vantage point what's under that card. Well, um, part of the means of trying to quiet the activity in the home was, that we can talk about the spiritual aspect of, was putting crosses up in the house, displaying the Bibles out openly, displaying white candles, so I would go to the Christian bookstore and buy these, you know, religious themed paraphernalia uh, and put them out through the house. Well, the ghost would take these things and make it its own. So one day I was at the bookstore and a lady, this is around Christmas time of 2014, and a lady standing behind me hands me this uh, Lord's Prayer card. She said, you look like a nice gentleman that, that needs this. And me knowing what I'm going through, I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. So I took that card that she gave me, and I put that card on the bookshelf in the hallway next to the Bible. Uh, is, is that they, the same hallway the, where the, the candle hit the wall? Yes. Okay, yes. okay. Exact same hallway, exact same bookshelf. 
So when I come out in the video, and keep in mind that video is within probably about 20 seconds after I discover it. So when I come out the hallway, that card is hanging over the doorway, and it's got this um, that black substance. Did you, were you able to uh, read that? Because yes, what, it, it's, it, did it say die KL, which is says, your initials? Yes, yeah, it says die KL. Um, it's written that in the office several times, oh. and. That substance is the same oily substance that it used to write uh, in the uh, office a few times. Did did uh, it nail that too? Uh, right above your door, was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. and it was that was a nail. And keep in mind, um, we never heard. You're going to hear a nail, somebody nailing something in your house. Right. Just, that's just how houses work. You're going to hear that, and. I'm not, you can see from where I, my office is to where that door is. This is a relatively a couple of feet, it's a hallway. And no sound of a banging, no sound of a nail going into a wall, nothing. And I'm, and I'm in my office, and when, I, when you see it on the video, I'm discovering that card uh, the second time. I call Tina, and she comes up the stairs, and we both look at it uh, together. So, do you think it's just one entity, or do you think it's it's multiples that's that's doing these things? No, it's it's no less than five. Um, Whoa! <laughs> because when um, if you I don't know if you look at some of the EVP videos of Carissa Fleck and Nikki on Paranormal, uh, especially the EVPs captured by the UK team, uh, and and both teams are good at what they do. And I've always suspected there have been more than one presence in the house because I've seen what I call the gray lady, the, the, the ghost, or I hate saying the term ghost, but I've seen the gray lady several times running through the hallway. But um, when you have an EVP, and I didn't know what an EVP was when all this stuff started happening, so I had to kind of learn real quick. And when they started listening to these EVPs, um, these things are having conversations with each other. Um, sometimes it's two male voices. Sometimes it's three uh, male voices. Sometimes it's just one female voice. Uh, we've got a child voice a few times. So um, yeah, there's no less than five. Uh, I would, I, I probably would say up to maybe seven when the activity w- was at its highest, um, because um, by the level of the I guess the dialogue or the verbiage in the EVPs of two uh, entities talking to each other. And they're very intelligent. I mean, they're very articulate on the EVPs. It's not one phrase or one word, and it's not a lot of static. You are hearing words being enunciated, and they're always talking about the current events, meaning what we're doing is what they're talking about. If we put a camera on the banister, the EVPs are them trying to figure out what type of camera that is or they're snickering saying that would never work or we should take that or move that it's very i mean hearing that as a house occupant uh that was disturbing right have you ever had like a psychic come into the house or anything uh i had two mediums i had two mediums come a husband and wife uh come into the house uh don phillips is a medium uh, sort of uh, as well he channels spirits internally um, as well as uh, Carissa Fletch so so yeah so the only thing that I the only 
I would think that I would know about doing is like going back farther than when like the house was built and I guess like finding like the town records for like maybe what was ever originally ever put there and maybe it was mauled down and then after land was you know like pretty much settled and stuff that's what I would want to know what was there you know like was it a previous home like a long time ago like maybe like and could have been in the 50s, or is this the first time ever that the land was ever built on? Yeah, that's what Don and Steve did um, on my Facebook page. Uh, there was a cabin that used to live uh, exactly where that house now stands. Like I said, back in the uh, uh, mid-1900s, to mid late-1900s, uh, there was a cabin there. Um, and during our history of the city of Bothell, uh, what gave, what made us want to do a, a, I guess a history, if you will, was the upside down Native American symbol in the office wall, uh, oh, because yeah. that in itself seems to be one of the most unique things about this case. Because you, you know, you hear things about six 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 all the time in paranormal, and some of it's to its detriment. But an upside down man, that was new and that was unique. And when we went and researched what the upside down man means it's a Native American term which means a man has died or a man has is about to die so um, that gave us the indication that let's research the land uh, and there were Native Americans living in, in Bothell as anywhere else in the state of Washington uh, in the late to early 1800s uh, and we did discover uh, but we haven't been able to pinpoint but we have been able to discover that there were um, smallpox uh, outbreaks uh, during that period, during the Lois and Clark um, expeditions. There were uprisings, there were put-downs. Uh, there were mass graves put down in and around the city of Bothell. So there is some history. Um, Seattle, the city, which is about 20 miles south of Bothell, uh, was founded pretty much based on uh, you know the violent past of Native Americans and uh, settlers, so um, yeah, that, there is a little bit of that uh, to this case that's still being uh, looked at, but we did discover, yes, there was a cabin um, at that house that occupied about three to four air acres of that area, that house did. Do you, do you think that like, maybe the, uh, the 666 symbol, do you think that Maybe the entity was playing into the fear of, well, every you know, that it's a sign of the beast or whatever, and they did it just to scare you? Like, maybe it has nothing to do with some something demonic? I don't know. Yeah, and that's what my, I, well, I, was, I just went out of five pet peeves with the episode on Ghost Adventures was, because I'm, I would have necessarily not named it Demons in Seattle. I mean, you don't know what it is, so why name it Demons? Right. But, um, yeah, I know for a fact that the entity's number one goal is to create anxiety and fear, right? Um, and Hollywood and paranormal community, some have done a good job in when you see 666, oh my God, it's Lucifer. Oh my God, we got to get people in here. Right. So the entity knows if, I, if it wants to create anguish and strife, let me put some 666 on the wall <laughs> because that's going to make me go run, grab holy water, grab candles, yep. and grab Bibles. And give it more and, attention. And get it more attention. Now, 
truth be told, that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you I know, think I don't think you were in the wrong. I would have done anything too, just to try yeah, to figure out what I the heck was going on. I didn't have the knowledge that I have now, but it was a knee jerk reaction. It was like, oh my god, six six six, Lucifer's child was born here, and that's what <laughs> you think. But in looking back, if, if I wanted to put myself in their shoes, and I don't, was yeah, if I want to create more attention and more sleepless nights for these individuals where they're on the phone with father whoever, let me do some 666 on their wall. Because keep in mind, the 666 did not start until after I started putting the crosses in the Bibles. Ah. Uh-huh. Right. So that it, did not start. it could be just, I mean, it could be a scare tactic. Oh, um, yeah, it could be a scare tactic, yeah. So th- now you have lots of pictures of Bibles that are just burnt to a crisp, like on the fir- on the top, opened up to a certain page, and then they're, they're just burnt for like, I don't know, 20, 30 pages it looks like on each side. Yeah. How many Bibles did y'all go through? And were they different types of Bibles, or was it one one type of Bible? Uh, well, when I moved into the house, I, I, uh, I had owned four Bibles, and I kept them in my office closet. They were never displayed openly. And when the activity happened in 2012, um, the Green Bible is the one that was taken summer, fall of 2012. I set it on a table downstairs, woke up the next morning, it was gone. Um, Fast forward to a year and a half, that Green Bible being the first Bible to catch fire was missing for a year and a half and when it returned it was on fire. It woke us up in the middle of the night uh, the fire alarms did and when we woke up there was that missing Bible in the doorway of the hall outside our bedroom. So that's Bible number one. Uh, Bible number two after that first Bible got burnt I would say there would be a Bible catch fire because it was only two that caught fire for the next two weeks or two weeks apart. So it would take a Bible off the hallway. That Bible would be missing for a week and reappear scorched as you see uh, on the videos. So those Bibles I had, I walked into the house with. When those Bibles were finally burnt and I couldn't use them anymore, going back to, that's why I was going to the Christian bookstore, I would buy more Bibles. Okay, because keep in mind, I'm getting advised where you got to be strong, you got to be, you know, you got to cast out Satan, you got to cast out darkness, and you got to get some repetition going. So I would buy another Bible um, and put that Bible on the bookshelf. So there are now two Bibles still missing. Two Bibles were never given back to me that are still probably in that house or some netherworld or whatever. Uh, The three Bibles that were burned. Uh, we still have um, so a total of five Bibles affected, three burnt, two are still missing uh, to this day Jeez. And, and you had a bunch of crosses go missing as well right? yeah a few crosses are missing uh, a few you never got those back uh, the, Mary, uh, holy water is missing um, it took a uh, yeah it took some holy water that's missing um, so yeah, so when we uh, started, you know, doing the I guess problem solving of putting religious objects out, displaying them, um, it would take those things like it would do the cameras. You know, it would take sage. 
Uh, one of the videos you see, it takes the sage stick, lights it, and uses the ash to write 666 all over the office. Hmm. It's taking whatever we use, you know, as a means of trying to make us seem powerless and, you know, beat us down mentally, which sort of worked, you know, because you're putting all these things out there, none of them appears to be working. Uh, you try to follow the advice of people who've been doing this for a number amount of years, but like one paranormal investigator told me there's no silver bullet when it comes to the paranormal. You know, there's not a, a, a one problem, uh, one solution fix all problems, so uh, what are you left with? Uh, the only thing that did seem to lessen the activity is time. Right. How are things going uh, for you now? Because you've been talking like 2012 to 14. Has anything recently happened? Uh, well, I moved out of the house uh, May of this year. So 2000, where were we, 2016? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, there's still some evidence. Uh, I mean, there's still videos of, there was activity in 2015. Um, nothing to the degree of 2014. And by evidence or by activity, I mean objects still move, teleportation, all in 2015, uh, EMF abnormalities, uh, EVP. But uh, when my lease uh, was up this May of this year, this is year four of living in the house, and we now have enough evidence and enough uh, noticeability to where anybody coming into that house after me um, has to know the level of activity the house has experienced in the last 10 years, specifically in the last uh, four years. So, um, yeah, I moved to A, but we did do a house exorcism uh, in uh, July of 2015. Uh, Father Roy uh, performed the exorcism on the house. Um, that seemed to quiet it a little bit, uh, but we just in reviewing the exorcism a few weeks ago we just discovered that there are tons of EVPs on the exorcism. And, and I don't mean you have to strain your ear to hear these EVPs. Once again, uh, three to four, three to, uh, two to three voices are conversing amongst themselves while Father Roy goes room to room conducting a ceremony. And for lack of a better word, they're just ridiculing all of us. Do you ever hear them, like, talk directly to you and the EVPs? Like make direct contact with you? Uh, meaning through the recorder? Uh huh. Do I hear them through thin air? Or because I mean, I like know. through the recorder, like? Yes. Yeah. I know. And in, they will respond. In that that last video that you posted, uh, it, it, they the entities kept saying your name over and over when you were packing your stuff. Yeah. So yeah. they would they would try to talk to you like that. I mean, could you? Could you hear that when you were there? Nope, you couldn't hear that. So it's mostly them communicating with... When you go back and listen to the the, the, the footage and stuff, you, you pick up stuff like them directly talking to you? Yeah, now I've had um, what Don and Steve call a AVP, which is their coined phrase of actual voice phenomena. And that's when you hear the voice out of thin air. I've heard that. Tina's heard that. That that was the kid call. They said the kid call, be it rare, 
is an AVP, that's what it's called an actual voice phenomenon, without the aid of an electronic device. What you saw in that video where the day while I was moving was devices placed in two portions of the house and at, naturally I can't hear them, but in reviewing the video and audio later, I'm hearing the word key, key, keys and other things, um, you know, in the video. So yeah, also there's times when Carissa and Dawn and Steve, well mainly Dawn and Carissa have asked questions, you know, you kind of talk to the air or whatever, and uh, they've caught EVPs that way. Uh, Carissa has one in the office where she's um, asking the spirits to talk about the writings on the wall, and she does have an EVP where the spirits says, just look at it. <laughs> Don't ask me, just look at it. Uh, she got another EVP when she's outside on the patio, and she asked, are there any spirits out there, or how many spirits are out there with her on the patio, and a child voice comes in crystal clear, almost like a class A EVP, it says three. Um, so we've gotten some responses through questions. Uh, I've only done two of those, being sort of fearful of, I never wanted to do that, uh, it took me four years to work up the nerve to do two of those type sessions myself and those were the last two weeks of living in the house and I did get um, EVPs I asked the spirits in my hallway ground zero of all activity um, could it possibly be that y'all leave future tenants in this house let them be at peace could y'all leave them alone I asked that question and the spirit came back in the EVPs and said, for what? Who? <laughs> so, you know, it, it seems like that your your old house, it's either going to go up in value or drastically down. Because I could see a lot of people wanting to have their own experiences and paying good money to try to have experiences <laughs> is it? They should be careful what they wish for. <laughs> <laughs> they should be careful what they. Uh, yeah, the activity is. There's a bell curve, like I said, 2013. Through nothing that we can actually say we did, the activity did taper off in 2013. Now, uh, and, and keeping up with the theme of maybe poltergeist or something demonic, when the activity comes back, um, it always comes back to a higher degree than before. And that's what it did. When it came back, we were sleeping, I think it was February of 2014, and we had a armoire. The armoire that you see in one of the bedrooms now that's in shambles, which used to be in the hallway, uh, got tossed like confetti uh, so much that it lit the dent in the wall in the hallway. But it's about a 400-pound armoire, and that woke us up in the middle of the night. And that's from that day on is when every activity was level four or level five. And by level four, I mean, you see my light fixtures in the hallway. I don't know if you've seen those pictures. Yeah. All the light fixtures blew up at the same time. Uh, doors were torn off the hinges. Uh, loud banging, footsteps, thuds, um, stuff being thrown. So, yeah, that, that was all 2014, half of 2015. But... Um, yeah, so I, I think and Steve Merritt, who's a parapsychologist, his theory and his thinking is um, this thing can go two ways with 
somebody else moving into the house. If somebody moves into the house in the next couple of months, uh, we're thinking that the activity is going to resume at a level one. But keep in mind, there's a lot of things in a level one type activity that most people ignore. Unless it's just outright, you can't ignore it anymore. Like a, 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 a plant flying across the room, you can't ignore that. Okay. Waking up, coming downstairs and having a closet door open that you thought you sure you closed. You can ignore that because you're probably going to thank the door or maybe I didn't close it or I didn't close it all the way. So it's up to the spirit if it wants to do more stuff to get your attention. The things that it did for us was, you know, they could only ignore so much. So it kept ratcheting it up. So the spirits can either lay low by their time, because keep in mind, five families lived in the house before us. Only one has come forth to, or only two have said they've had activity. The other three I've not yet reached. But until I reached them, I have to think that they did not have activity. Uh, the owner who lived in the house before anybody says he did not have activity. So it could be a every other, every other type scenario. Or they come in, and things resume almost as equally as when I left. But I know for a fact there's going to be voices talking in that house. But unless you, like you say, unless you have EVPs or recorders playing them in places in the house and reviewing them later, you'll never know what these voices are saying. Right. The more you can't see them, so you can't hear them. But, so yeah. Did, at any point, did y'all just try to completely ignore it and not give it any kind of satisfaction of like spooking you and see if that did anything yeah we tried that and it's funny you asked that question because I mean me and Tina would I mean it's so oh man I wish I could tell you it's so weird that you know we try to ignore right you say okay ignore it They're gonna, you hear footsteps I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ignore that you know I hear, <laughs> I hear movement I'm, I'm gonna ignore that and you're sitting on your couch or you're having dinner with your girlfriend like most people do and you're talking, doing your thing. And then the TV's channel is just changing by itself. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, almost, it's almost idiotic not to call attention to that because that's not normal. Okay? Right. If you call attention to it, you're not ignoring it. Okay? Or if you go to bed and you're talking, you're having pillow talk and you're talking and the lights in the hallway are coming off and on, you know, or the door just got closed on its own. I don't, I don't mean closed like gradually. I like somebody walked by and slammed it. Yeah. And you're just trying to do all these things like I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to ignore that. To finally, when something moves or slides across the room or just totally out the blue, you can't ignore it anymore. Like a fire. Okay, I can't ignore a fire. Right. I can't ignore my fire alarm going off at 3 a.m. in the morning. I have to go see why my alarm is going off in the living room. I go down there in my T-shirt and boxers and uh, get a stepladder, and my fire alarm is blinking. And when I, right when I'm about to touch the fire alarm to turn it off, it stops. Okay. So I put the ladder away. I go back upstairs and crawl into bed, get under the covers. The fire alarm goes off again. Get downstairs, come downstairs, get the step ladder, reach up to turn it off. It turns off by itself. So those things, it's kind of hard to. It didn't. Do you they're doing this to frustrate you, but it's a joke to them. Right. I like pesky, annoying roommates. <laughs> Do they? It's like pesky. Like... 
Yeah, it's like the it's like the cat or dog that won't go to sleep, whatever. You know, it's like, hey, I just need six hours of quiet. Can you just? And one day it got so bad to where, and this is, I mean, I just got mad out, and I walked up, and there's a video. I just walked into the hallway, and I just said, "Shut up." <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm talking to nothing, and it's pitch black. And I found out later, don't do that. Because the minute I did that, that's when the activity also ratcheted back up because now I'm daring, now I'm being confrontational. But it was 3 a.m., I'm sleep-deprived, and they're just tapping on the door. They're just tapping on the headboard. They're tapping above the ceiling fan, and you walk out of the door, and you just say, shut the hell up. And then they're like, oh, okay, all right, well, we're really going to do it now. Yeah. Yeah, he basically just answered my next question, which was, have you ever gotten to the point of just going, enough is enough? But he just he just answered that. Yeah. So. yeah, one day I wrote, after not getting no sleep, I grabbed a notepad, because there was just trash in the office. It was just, and I went in there, and I got a, a Sharpie and a piece of paper, and I wrote on the notepad, um, it's between you and me now. This time it's personal. Why, oh, did I, that, why did I? Yeah, I went. I went Zach Baggins, and I taped it on every wall in my office. And my girlfriend's getting ready for work, and she comes in the room and like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm fed up. I'm tired of this." And as soon as I did that, that's when the activity veered from haunting the house to haunting me specifically, and that's where the die KL started coming. Uh, Ooh, in the you, office because you what you don't know it. is the die KL was written outside the house before it was ever written inside. We just didn't know it to two months later when it was written inside the office because one day it snowed and it was Thanksgiving and I went outside um, and there was um, some writing on my lawn and uh, a neighbor's like, dude, what's that writing on your lawn? And I walked out and there in my front grass was the words, uh, and it couldn't make out all, everything that it was saying, but we both laughed at it. It looked like it was saying somebody wrote D-I-C-K in my grass. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So me and my neighbor looked at it, and we were like, it must be some crazy kids that have anything to do, uh, and they're just coming around riding in the snow. But it happened a second time two weeks later again in the snow, and this time it was better spelt out and when I looked at it it said die KL and I didn't tell Tina because she would just freak out right. you know something this personal <laughs> and I, I kept it you know with just me I said well long as it's writing die KL outside maybe that's as far as it'll go and they probably felt like complete that, failures when it just said D-I-C-K <laughs> they were like dang it gotta God. try again well, the D-I-C-K was actually D-I-K-L, but the snow had melted to where we just assumed. Because oh. It never dawned on me that the entities, number one, could write outside my house, or number one, this would become personal to that level to where I saw D-I-K-L. When I saw D-I-K-L written in my uh, office, then I started backtracking. Oh, that's what it was on the lawn the first time we saw it. That was D-I-K-L. We hmm. just assumed... It was uh, D-I-C-K. That's what we thought it was, but no, it was D-I-C-K. On those closet doors, uh, 
I, I, I'm not sure if it was something that one of the people came in and, and that was trying to clear your house or whatever. But uh, around the 666, it, just in one of the pictures I saw, it said something like, forgive us or something and deliver us from evil. Is that Or is that something someone's added later? Yeah, a medium came in and wrote that on there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was uh, one of the uh, mediums did that. Okay. Yeah, I, I was curious because I was like, man, that's a, it's starting to write you little notes and stuff now. <laughs> oh no, no, the die KL on the card and the walls. That's yeah, that that that's enough for me. I mean, unless we're gonna start, yeah, writing little posties the way I did. Yeah, <laughs> I would have had to use reverse psychology. I would have been like, ah, this is gonna really make me mad if you'd clean this shit up. <laughs> That's what would really make me mad. <laughs> I'd be mad if you folded this the whole laundry. thing of laundry. I'm really terrified if you clean my office. Yeah. <laughs> Please no, don't yeah. scrub the bathroom. <laughs> so I'm really terrified if you pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh man, I will I lose so much sleep. <laughs> um, so since you've moved from your new house, at the very end of that video of, of the latest one of the latest videos. Uh, you have this dripping from uh, right over your dining room table, and there's just it's water dripping. And in it, you you had a little note that said something that there's no pipes uh, right there, and it's an apartment, I believe, and that your neighbors above you don't have any uh, water pipes that go through the ceiling right there or, or anything like that. So is ex- your yeah? Is so what we learned still? is um, you know the I think. One of the biggest fears going back to why not move is, well, for me, from a psychology standpoint, is could this thing follow me? And if it follows you, what then? Um, you're back at square one. Uh, I kind of, at that time, I kind of rather be at the first house living this thing versus moving somewhere else and reliving. Because then it's more of a, like a sentence, if you will, or, oh my God, now it's tethered to me. But yeah, the uh, first night or m- morning, I should say, when I woke up, um, as I was leaving, uh, I started hearing these tapping sounds, and I turned around, and there was uh, water coming from the ceiling onto the uh, kitchen table. Um, and going upstairs to my roommate above me, uh, there's no pipes, uh, there's no uh, broken anything. And when the maintenance people came in that day, because obviously when water's coming through the ceiling, that's an emergency. So right. they, they came within 30 minutes. Um, and even to this day, um, because it stopped by the time they got here, it had stopped. But I left the water on the table so he could see. Um, they, they, they have some type of device mechanics do to where they can sort of tell where moisture is behind the wall. Um, they could not find any. Uh, obviously, there's no pipe, so it's not supposed to be happening at all. But in my mind of thinking, uh, was it related to the previous house? Um, yes, only because the EVPs, or the voices, I should say, of the old house have been captured inside this house. But there's been nothing since that day, so I'm, I'm just not trying to look a um, gift horse or whatever in the mouth and just assume. I'm quoting that denial, 
ignore phase. <laughs> um, the next move is his or hers or whoever's. Right. Um, because um, the teams, the East Coast and the UK team being on standby and are still trying to find the root cause of the other house. But uh, we do know, we always were aware of that possibility. But um, yeah, the water and the, uh, the car e- event all happened on the first day, but nothing since then. Oh yeah, that's right. Your your battery died in your car that same day. Yeah, huh? the, a brand new, a, yeah, brand new car with a brand new battery had died. And like I said, the deal about malevolent spirits is, or one of the deals about them is, they just want to inconvenience you. They want to be a pain in the ass. Right. And if you're getting up, going to work, and um, car battery died, that that's going to inconvenience you. Uh, water coming from your ceiling onto your table because I did have to take half the day of work because we didn't know where the water was coming from and I got valuable stuff in here I'm still unpacking and lo and behold I got water coming from the ceiling so that cost that cost me a day of work cost me half a day of work the next day uh, with the battery so they, they know this they do it I think in knowing and this is probably one of the the pros and cons of living with a entity for this long you know their calling cards. You know what they're capable of. You know what's uh, paranormal, what's not paranormal. This fits within something they would do. It, it just fits their mo. Uh, ha ha ha! You thought you, uh, especially keep in mind when I saw the puddles of water, I had not yet reviewed the Keith 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 the day we moved video yet. Oh. I, it was just stuck on my hard drive, uh, and when I reviewed that Keith Keith Keith. 40 plus times is the ones I count, and there are more in there. I just got tired of counting. Of Keith, 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 while the movers are, are moving my stuff. And so, yeah. And you you did do something very smart in, in your videos, because a lot of the videos, are they're long, but you can hear stuff. You really can hear whispers and, and stuff being said, but you at the bottom in the description, you wrote the times to listen for it. And that is so helpful. Now, I did listen, try to listen to see if I could hear anything else. But I like that you did that. Yeah, because, uh, and like I said, I don't, I'm not familiar with the paranormal community, but I've learned several teams or several paranormal groups, there's no consensus on EVP or the device to capture an EVP. And I've noticed, because I've, presented EVPs to paranormal investigators, and they're like, well, that's too clear to be an EVP. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why does it, what? No, there's no static on there. I'm like, what? So, different people have different definitions of what an EVP is, but when they, when I put the, t- the timestamps on there, people listen, and their mindset is, oh, I'm going to find something that's hard to hear, or I'm going to find something inaudible, but it's going to be 50-50. Right. But no, then they hear a word or a key or a, you know, stop that or yeah or a no. And those are very distinguishable. Those are not something you can have, you know, pareidolia and think that's something else different. But um, I put the time steps in there because once you hear them, then go back and re-listen. Then you train your ear and you know how these entities in this house talk. Right. They talk on purpose underneath us. I think to number one, it devoid or to avoid detection, so they talk under us. Also, I think they 
because I've noticed when it's just me in the house or when I got a house full of investigators, the EVPs are more louder. When it's just me, there's still EVPs, but it's, they're, they're kind of more monotone. And I've noticed that their energy builds up with the more people in the home, <laughs> including investigators, including equipment. Uh, when I have five investigators in there, listen to the EVPs, do a cross-comparison. They're excited. You, you hear them talking on the EVPs, and they're, like, having a party. But with just me, they're kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but the other ones with the investigators, oh, they're in there. They're all over the place. They're like, grab that tool, grab that device. And they're very excited. I think that's the level of energy they get uh, from us being uh, in the home. Yeah, you you do hear them every once in a while to say uh, asking about cameras and and uh, I might be wrong, yeah. but you can hear them talking about the equipment and saying EVP and repeating yeah. stuff that everyone else is saying. It's 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 almost it's almost funny if it wasn't so uh, tearing up your house and causing you problems. Yeah, the EVPs if you hear them and, and which uh, there's more I'm going to uh, share. It's just got the time to comb through them. They're very um, intelligent. We can prove that. They're very, for lack of a better word, powerful by the level of stuff they can move. But they almost have a prankster-like teenager-slash-kid mentality in how they're talking about the equipment. Because when they're asking about the equipment, they're admitting that they don't have all the knowledge and they're not all-seeing, all-knowing. And, and one of the EVPs I've not yet released one of them who goes by the name Ray uh, tells the other one to grab one of Steve's devices because they've never seen it before. And he tells them to literally go take it. And if you look at the video I released or uploaded to YouTube, I think Wednesday or Thursday, uh, with my friend in the house taking pictures, uh, one of the entities calls the other one for all part of my French, calls it a pussy. He's like, Oh, you puss, you chickened out. I said, you chickened out, you puss. Yep, I heard that. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard See, the last just, part of it. That just boggles the mind, that level of dialect and communication. <laughs> and I know what he was telling him to do because my friend Barbara brought in all these cameras, but she's not in the paranormal. She's there to just take wide shots and close shots of my house. Right. And these, invest- uh, these entities are used to cameras coming in from an investigative standpoint. So I know the spirit was trying to get the other spirit to take one of her cameras. And if you watch Barbara, she had a, when she first got to the house, she had a, a hard time figuring one of her cameras out. And there's an EVP where the entity is like, she's so unsure. You know? And they say, girl, that, they call her that girl. She's so unsure. And he tells the other entity, you chickened out, you puss. Because I know he wanted to get one of those cameras. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, have you thought about writing yeah, a book or anything? To listen to. They just. Uh, well, I've got notes. I've got spreadsheets. I'm uh, I'm compiling them all now for the scientific establishment of parapsychology. Uh, it probably they're going to be releasing their full report. Uh, and from what I've gathered, their report is probably going to be in book form. It's that much material. Yeah. Their first investigation, I'm talking about Steve and Don, yeah. when they left my house, they got over 420 uh, EVPs. Uh, 80% of them were Class A. Uh, the last time they were here in April, they got about 400. I've got over 1,200 EVPs since they left. 
now that uh, we realize where these things talk. Uh, but yeah, there probably will be a uh, somewhat of a book, if you will, <coughs> of me putting together from a note perspective, because there's a lot of video, there's a lot of audio, there's a lot of um, stuff, and my goal is to just put that out there on the internet so it can become available, because I'm an IT, I'm an IT project manager, and uh, a lot of my information gathering, I was relying on my experience as a PM for so long. But one of the things I've noticed that I'm, I'm trying to help the paranormal community is, you know, you hear about the Animeville horror, you hear about the infield case, you hear about all these famous cases that happen. <clears throat> and we don't know if they were true or not. We, you know, we get 50-50. Some people say it's true, some people say it's hoax. But I like to think, would it paranormal researchers themselves, be it you an individual who does it as an enthusiast or somebody who wants to carry the discussion further, wouldn't you have liked to maybe review the material yourself of Enfield, of Anitraville versus being locked away in somebody's vault, never to be seen again? So that's that's why I'm putting stuff out there on YouTube. I'm putting stuff out there on the cloud because once it's out there in the cloud, it's there forever. Right. And I don't I don't edit it. People are like you should make the video shorter. No, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get into the uh, learning curve of learning how to master. Uh, all these different edit and video devices because I want to keep it authentic. You can take it and, and shorten it, edit it down all you want, uh, but I'm just going to put it out there uh, as I have it or as I you know captured it. But it's it's out there for the community because we're still finding stuff. I, I review stuff and find stuff that I missed uh, after reviewing it two times because these things talk all all the time. They're talking right now. They talk all the time. Yeah, that's it's nuts. I mean, you've got you've got more. I'd say you have more evidence than I've ever seen for any particular case. Yeah, it's, it's uh, and, and there's more. I mean, when uh, Steve and Don released their stuff, uh, they got videos, more audio, better EVPs because they have better equipment. I'm just using my handheld phone or. <laughs> Right. A little $20 voice recorder. They got stuff that's just, I mean, boggles the mind. But, um, no, it's going to be released out there. And like I said, for years and years of trying to document, um, because I told Steve, being in IT, you know, we all know about Waze app. We know about Shazam. We know about SoundCloud and all these handheld apps to where if you hear a song, you know, you can put your phone up and capture the music to tell you what song is that is playing. Uh, how come we don't have that for EVP? How do we know the EVPs that I have is not similar? And I don't mean by words. I mean by the voice recognition, say, of somebody in Connecticut or somebody in Israel or somebody in Timbuktu. Right. How do we know these spirits are not bouncing around? I mean, we always talk about portals. Well, how do we know this entity that's in my house is, has not been somewhere previously like in Russia or somewhere like you know the NSA or CIA does when they with their voice recognition, they can pick up a voice through a telephone and translate it all over the world to see if that voice was ever elsewhere. Um, that's the type of equipment the paranormal community uh, needs to try to ascertain: do these spirits move around? Are they confined to one locale? And it would be good to have a database to where if I throw all my EVPs into this database. You working on a case somewhere in upscale New York or whatever, 
gets an email saying, hey, I duplicate voice pattern traced back to Bothell, Washington. You know, just all kind of things that I think should be uh, talked about and discussed uh, in the paranormal community. Well, I think, I don't, do y'all have any more questions? No, I nope. got to ask all mine. I'm good. Uh, we, we appreciate you, uh, you know, giving us the time, giving us an hour of, of your, <laughs> your time to chit chat with us and tell us all about your experiences. It was definitely a pleasure. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. It's great talking to you guys. You guys, uh, good questions. So, um, maybe if, uh, if there's any, anything else starts coming on, coming up and you start having, Hopefully not having experiences, but if, if you do, maybe we can do a follow-up and, and see where everything is in a couple months or something. Yeah, I'm going to send the uh, report, because uh, you know you and I Twitter back and forth on Twitter now, and we're on Skype now, so um, I'm making a point to send people updates. Uh, I'll send a report, more information. Anything significant, I'll send uh, you guys' way. So uh, that'll be good. Okay. And uh, do you want do you want people do you want to give any information out if, if anyone wants to try to contact you or anything like that? Subscribe to your YouTube. Uh, well, I mean, if, you, if you're going to find me on YouTube, it's easy. Just type in Keith. Uh, you know, Keith L. L is my initial, and or you just put in Demons in Seattle, and you're going to get me uh, one way or the other. But <laughs> Keith L. You'll find me there. If you want to go on Facebook, just type in the Washington State Poltergeist, and you'll find that. I've also sent you links uh, on Skype to where you guys put that out there. So, okay. yeah, I'll... those two areas is where the uh, the update is on the case. Yep, I will put all that stuff in the uh, description. That way, you know, anyone listening to this, they can hopefully just pull up on their phone. They can just click on it from right there and start looking at stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to look at, yeah. Well, we appreciate you uh, coming on and everything, and uh, I guess we will talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys take it easy. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks, Toby. Uh huh. You're welcome. Have a good one. All right, bye. Bye bye. So that was Keith Linder uh, from the Washington State Poltergeist uh, incident. He has a YouTube channel, and I'll put that in the description. Um, you can. Follow us on Twitter. Kristen, what's our Twitter? At SecretTransPod. If they want to email us, any kind of suggestions, do you know the email address? SecretTransmission at Hotmail.com. There you go. Um, We would also like it if you would rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Or... Stitcher. Or on Stitcher. What else are we on, Kristen? Google Play. And... YouTube. YouTube, there you go. She got it. <laughs> this <laughs> uh, trivia over here. <laughs> it turned into trivia. God, nice. You can also find our show on the Podcast Radio Network. You can download the Crikey app. That's K-R-Y-K-E-Y. And tune in to 102.6. Uh, you can hear us on Mondays, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can pretty much tune in anytime and... and find out a bunch of really great podcasts i don't know i guess i guess that's it we covered everything awesome we did it as a team high five team my ass you trying to 
freaking trivia. <laughs> well, we would appreciate it if you would come back and listen to us try to explain the unexplainable. Say goodbye, Roger. <laughs>